Welcome to the Level Up English podcast, the best place to come to practice the English language, learn about the British accent and culture. With me, your host, Michael Lavers. Hello, English learners, and welcome back to another episode, episode 185 of the Level Up English podcast. Welcome back, and I've got an exciting one today because I'm talking about what I have called language ambiguity. That sounds very difficult, but I'm going to explain this a bit more in just a moment. And this is something that I've never really heard other teachers talk about, but it's such a big part of English or a big part of language learning. And I think it will be very useful for you guys to hear as well. I would like to give a quick reminder to join my email community. So some of you may not know that twice a month on a Thursday, I send out an email to all of my followers who have signed up. And in this email, there will be some updates on what I've been working on recently and a lesson. So I just finished writing one this morning. I did a lesson on how to say no in a polite way in English, how to decline someone's invitation. And yeah, I, I write these twice a month. So it, you, know, you don't get too bothered by emails every day. It's just two times a month. You can leave anytime you want as well. Obviously, you know, you don't have to stick around if you don't like it. But another benefit you will get is when you first sign up to these lessons, you will get a welcome email saying, hello, how are you? And you'll get a link to five free lessons from Level Up English members. So if you hear me talking about Level Up English membership all the time, and you maybe you're getting a bit annoyed about it, or you don't really know what it is, then I would suggest checking out this email and clicking on the free lessons. You can just have a little preview of what it's like. There's a private podcast you can listen to. There's a couple course pages you can study over there. So even if you don't become a member, you still get some free lessons. You know, you don't have to join if that's interesting for you, then you can click on the link in my podcast description. Or if for some reason you cannot see that link that says free lessons, just go to my website, which is levelupenglish.school. And right at the bottom of the page, there will be a little sign up form where you can sign up for these free lessons. And yeah, I hope to see you there. I encourage everyone to join. And when I do send my email, I also encourage people to reply with their feedback, with their practice, with their questions, or just to say hi, you know. But okay, let's get into the topic today. And I want to mention the first kind of, what could this be, like a subheading, I guess, of the episode or some way to start the episode, which is this statement. Language is not like you find it in textbooks. So I thought about this when I did a recent episode, and this was one of my reaction episodes on a Saturday, and it kind of occurred to me that a lot of what we say is nothing like what you learn to say in a textbook. And there's so much implication involved. Implication, this word means when something is implied, that's another way to say it, something is implied. So it's kind of suggested or hinted at in what you're saying, but you don't actually say it explicitly. It's just a hint. 
And I notice this happens a lot to me when I'm talking in another language, especially if it's quite a new language. Like recently I was practicing Portuguese when I went to Portugal and I was preparing these big sentences in my head. For example, in a restaurant, I might say, for my main course, could I please have the soup and the, you know, whatever, this one here. And what I would notice is before I got to the end of my sentence, the other person could already guess what I was about to say. So they would interrupt me and they go, okay, yeah, no problem. Yeah, sure, I'll do that. So I would kind of say, for my main course, could I please have, and I'm kind of pointing to what I want. And before I can say it, they've already said, yep, no problem, write it down, walked away. And it kind of left me feeling a bit like, but I wanted to finish, I wanted to practice my sentence. But what I realized in that moment is a lot of language is not really in full sentences, you know. There's a lot of kind of sounds and body language and gestures and maybe parts of a sentence that is sufficient in communicating with other people. So one example of this is, you know, you might want someone to close the window, for example. So you could just say to someone, oh, you're near the window, would you mind? So I'm asking, would you mind? The full sentence maybe should be, would you mind closing the window? But because I kind of already mentioned the word window, it's maybe obvious what I mean. It's obvious what I'm asking you to do. So, ah, would you mind? Like, could you do this, please? So here's exactly what I mean. It's this ambiguity. Ambiguity is when it's not really clear on what the meaning is. Ambiguity is when something can have more than one meaning. So obviously context is really, really important because a lot of language is based on context and we're inferring the information based on that context. Maybe we could take a second to talk about these words imply and infer. To imply, I mentioned before, is when you are hinting at something in what you're saying. If I say, oh, it's very cold in here, I wonder what we could do about that. Then I'm implying that I want you to close the window. If my friend says the same thing to me, oh, it's very cold in here, what can we do? Then he is implying I will infer. So I will infer the meaning. So infer is when you give meaning to something else. So think of it a bit like this. Implying is giving the meaning. Inferring is receiving the meaning. It's a bit of give and receive, right? So if I'm cold, I will imply I want the window to be closed and my friend will infer my meaning based on the context of the situation. Hope that makes sense, but I'm going to write this up in my vocabulary list on the website so you can have a look there as well. This is really common as well, this kind of implications, this ambiguity in British English. And this is because British people can be quite indirect. So very often we don't like to say what we really want. We kind of make these hints and we imply what we want in a very indirect way. So if someone asks me, Michael, are you happy with this? You know, whatever they're talking about. I might just say, yeah, well, uh, yeah, okay. And you know, it doesn't matter what I say. Obviously, from my reaction and how I'm saying it, it's obvious I, I don't like it. 
Or if you say, are you happy with this? I don't know. You know, from my intonation, my tone of my voice, it's very obvious that I don't like it, right? So that's kind of a, a similar thing there about that ambiguity. Now, another kind of phrase that we often use in this area of maybe being a bit indirect is, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. So usually we use this phrase when we really have quite a harsh opinion about something, like a strong opinion, but we want to put it in a nicer way so as not to hurt someone's feelings. So if someone asks you, how do I look in this dress? Do I look okay? Do I look nice? Or do I look a bit ugly? You can say, hmm, okay, let me put it this way. I don't think you look 100% beautiful, you know. So really what we're saying there is, I don't like it, but we're just being very indirect and polite about it. Another way in which we use this ambiguity, this indirect meaning, or maybe I should say implied meaning, is with the word sorry. I think it's somewhat a universal thing in English, but I do think British people really overuse this word, sorry. We use it for everything. So if I am wanting to get by, I can say, ah, sorry, you know, meaning excuse me. Um, and by, you know, based on the context, it's obvious what I want to do. If I say sorry, um, I want to get past you. You may have heard before that we can also use it to mean pardon. You know, what did you say? If you didn't hear someone the first time, you could say, uh, sorry. It happened to me yesterday in, in a cafe. They asked me for something. I couldn't hear them twice and it was really embarrassing. <laughs> so I just said, uh, sorry, like, what? Sorry? Sorry? I kept saying sorry and in the end I had to like, oh, never mind. I had to give up because it was too awkward. As I mentioned on the previous episode, maybe you're on the train and you're hoping to ask the person next to you to move so you can leave the train because your stop is approaching. And rather than saying, you know, could I please ask you to move so I can get up and leave the train? You know, we wouldn't say that. And even if you did say that, they would interrupt you sooner and be like, yeah, sure. You know, just like I said before, say, oh, could I please ask you to get, and, you know, by that point, they would already be standing up like, yeah, out you go. And you wouldn't be able to finish your sentence. So maybe in the real world, we just say, I'm sorry, but. And then the other person already knows what you want them to do. And they go, oh yeah, sorry. And they let you out already, right? So it's just two words, sorry, sorry. And there's so much meaning that's conveyed in that. Um, it's very interesting. I wonder if it's the same in, in your culture and your language as well. Let me know if it's the same. Oh, here's a really good example now. And this is a true example that happens to me. So I have a group of very good friends. We've been friends for maybe 10 years or something like that, but we're really, really close. You know, there's no secrets between us. We're a very good group of friends. You would think that we could talk quite honestly and openly together. You know, we share lots of kind of deep things with each other. However, it's still, I suppose, so deeply rooted in British culture that you cannot be direct about something, even with your absolute best friend in the world. Very often I will go to my friend's house for dinner and have a chat, maybe for coffee or something like that. And sometimes it gets a bit late, you know, it's getting dark, it's getting late. And my friend wants me to go home, basically. 
And maybe in your culture, I don't know, but you might say, I think it's time for you to go now, or maybe we should go now, maybe we should leave, or something a bit more direct. But my friend would say, oh, I'm getting a bit sleepy. And I do wonder in some cultures if that would be really confusing. I'm not sure. But I understand that to mean, I want you to leave. And he does this all the time now. And it's it's kind of almost become like a joke because it's funny how indirect he is when he says this. Oh, I'm getting a bit tired now. And then as soon as he says that, I kind of go, okay, well, I better get going. I put on my shoes because I guess he feels awkward about asking me to leave and he doesn't want He doesn't want that to be really so obvious. So I kind of just take the hint and I I make the suggestion, even though really he did it. But I, I say it implicitly. And I think it depends on the person, but I think this is a very common way to ask someone to leave. Another one that's really common, a good phrase is, if you could just... dot, dot, dot. If you could just. And then we kind of follow that up with a gesture... A gesture means like body language, maybe your hand coming out to show them or point something out. So this might be something, you know, you walk into your boss's office at work and there's a chair on the other side of the room and he might say, please, point to the chair, please. So in that please and that gesture of pointing, he is saying, sit down on the chair, right? You know, you don't have to say that. We just say, please. And then he might kind of give you a piece of paper and a pen and say, if you could just, and then you would go, oh yeah, sure, no problem. And based on the gesture, it's obvious that he wants you to sign the paper. If you could just, Mm. he doesn't need to finish that question. It could be about tidying something away as well. So if I hand someone a pile of clothes, I say, oh, if you could just, thank you. And it's obvious that I'm asking them to put your clothes away, tidy your clothes, right? So it really depends on the context of the situation. I think one last one I want to mention here is, well, it's the same really, but it's just for I. Could I just, when you're asking for permission or something like that. So, you know, this happens a lot in London. It's very crowded. And I say, oh, sorry, could I just? And And they go, oh yeah, of course. And what I'm doing is I'm saying, could I just move past you? Could I just squeeze behind you? Something like that. So remember that rule, could I just, and a gesture. Usually it will be easy based on the context to guess what you're saying. But let me know, leave a comment on this episode. Again, this is levelupenglish.school slash podcast 185. Leave a comment at the bottom and let me know if you've had any experiences like this where either received or given some meaning, mostly based on the context of the situation and not actually given a full sentence. Now, a good phrase that we can use here is to read between the lines. I think a lot of languages might have the same idiom. I think in Japanese, it's like kuki or yomu, which means like to read the air, read the atmosphere, right? But in English, we say read between the lines, which means You're understanding some meaning regarding a situation, but it's not actually explicitly said. You're figuring something out, even though it's not clearly stated. You're reading between the lines. That's a good idiom for you today. Maybe one final idiom I want to share is to take a hint. 
or take the hint. We can say both. So for example, if my friend says, oh, I'm getting really sleepy, I want to go to bed. And then I just keep sitting there and talking all night long and talking and talking while he gets increasingly more sleepy, then I cannot take a hint. I cannot take a hint. So if you can take a hint, that means you're able to see these implied meanings. If someone doesn't understand these implied meanings based on context, then they cannot take a hint. So are you good at taking a hint or is it difficult for you? That's another question. You could let me know. Okay, let's look at two podcast reviews now. Both of these are coming from Saudi Arabia today. So the first one here is from username Gorg Sari T, or maybe they are called Gasan. And they said, this is the first time that I listen to your podcasts. I wish it will be 100. Maybe you're hoping for more episodes. Um, well, that's really cool. Well, thank you for listening. Welcome to the podcast. And thank you for leaving a review after one episode. That's amazing. But I do hope you stick around until 100. Thank you very much. One more here from Reef I, who says, Hello, Mr. Michael. I'm grateful for your podcast. Thank you. I've always wondered. I'm really good at listening and reading. I can understand 90%, but when I'm talking, I feel like I don't know anything. I don't know how to put words together well. I don't know how to form words in their correct position. Past, present, present continuous. I don't know what the present words are and so on. Is there anything that helps me? Hmm. For the future, I do recommend people to ask questions by email or something like that because it allows me to see it more easily. Maybe the reviews are not always the best place for questions. But I mean, I can give you a very simple response to that now. If you're unsure, well, first of all, I think it's very, very natural for your speaking to be worse. Mine is the same. I think speaking is so much harder to practice. And I think usually the reason is just that. It's a lack of practice because it's so easy to spend hours on reading and listening you can listen to me every day you know, quite easily. It's not a big problem. But how much time do you spend speaking? I really think the biggest thing you can do is just increase the amount of time you spend speaking. And that's going to help. But if you really think about how much time you spend, it's probably not that much compared to the other skills. I think that's the main reason, really. And if you want more tips, have a look at my full episode that I did on speaking which was episode 102, 102. I gave some good tips in there as well. Okay, thank you for those reviews. Let's look at a quick quote that I posted on my Instagram page now. This is from Emily O'Bain. I'm not sure how you pronounce the name exactly. But anyway, she said, being able to read a book in another language is a source of ego-stroking pride. Yeah. So it's not exactly inspirational, but I thought this was a funny sentence. And I explained the meaning of those words a bit more on my Instagram post over there. But I think what she's really saying is it feels so good when you can read a book in another language. It's such a motivating feeling, isn't it? And I think it's important to kind of lean into that feeling when we can, that that pride we feel when we're able to you know, do something in another language. 
And I always want to remind uh, you guys and the learners about that, that it is a really amazing thing that you can read and speak and listen in another language. You know, even if many other people can do it too, it doesn't matter. The fact that you have learnt and you can do it is amazing. So I hope you, hope you feel good about it. And yeah, think about that quote today. But thank you very much for listening or watching today. Hope you enjoyed it and I'll see you in the next episode. Goodbye for now, everyone. Have a good week. You have been listening to the Level Up English podcast. If you would like to leave a question to be answered on a future episode, then please go to levelupenglish.school forward slash podcast. That's levelupenglish.school slash podcast. And I'll answer your question on a future episode. Thanks for listening.